Greetings, everybody, and welcome into the reaction. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining you, Tony Acero will be with us momentarily if I try to get the Blog Talk Radio website to stop hating me. And as soon as I do that, we will get the theme song played. You are listening to the reaction from Powerhouse Radio, a presentation of ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Like I said, as soon as I can get the studio to work, people... Lots to talk about tonight. Very interesting Raw. Couple turns. Couple things coming out of last night at Hell in a Cell as well. And we update the Harry Tony pay-per-view prediction standings tonight on the reaction. I'm sorry, everybody. There's really nothing I can do here. My computer's running super slow. The the freaking studio will not open. Uh if only Tony could hear me, he'd be able to press start himself, but I don't know that he can hear me. Which is unfortunately going to cause us even more of a delay. And I see why I've had the problems I've had now. How did I get logged out? I was logged in earlier. Log Talk Radio, quit being a jackass and actually let me load the studio so I can start the damn show. Jesus. I'm presently in touch with Tony Acero, and I am trying to get him to start the theme song for the show due to the fact that my computer decided that it, well, doesn't frankly like anybody tonight, especially of all me. Boy. Not what you guys were expecting tonight, and I apologize once again, just... Situations like this come up, and there's really not much you can do. Tony, can you hear me? Yes. Have you heard what I my ramblings? Yeah, it's been beautiful. Uh, I can't start the show because I didn't have my laptop open, so it doesn't matter. Um, let's just do this. You know what? That's all of the theme song we get tonight. Screw this goddamn studio. <laughs> yeah, we it's not necessary. We got our beautiful voices. We're I think that's all we need. We're already running behind as it is because of this stupid thing. Son of a bitch, Tony. Yo. So I'm sure I'm sure everybody wants to know the updated pay per view scoreboard. Nobody wants to know because you already know. Nobody cares. Harry 4, Tony 2. I go 5 and 2. We did not predict the Ziggler-Cesaro match, even though I would have picked Ziggler in three falls, not two. And I'd imagine you'd have probably taken Ziggles as well. Yeah. Especially given the fact that the comments came out from Cesaro. Did you hear about that? The what? What was it? Apparently, Cesaro made a comment to a British newspaper that nobody wants to see Cena and Orton for the 500th time. Well, he has a point. Did he not learn his lesson from what happened with the de-pushing of Ziggler when he said basically the same thing? I think at that point, he just, you know, he doesn't care. (laughs) 
explains the ass beating with the microphone he got tonight, too, from Ambrose. We'll get more into that a little bit later on in the show. How was your weekend, Tony? Pretty good. Didn't do anything too drastic. Um, celebrated the birthday a little bit longer, and, um, you know. Interesting. I didn't really... I had a show last night, which caused me to miss Helen this a lot, but I was able to watch it as soon as I got home, which meant my night's... My wrestling afternoon yesterday started at about 3 o'clock when I got to the building for the show, because that's when call time for the people that work on the staff for the show and stuff was. It went all the way until 3 a.m., which is about the time that I finished Hell in the Cell. Well, then. 12 hours of pretty much nothing but a wrestling focus. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now that all the pleasant trees are out of the way... Let's talk about Raw. Yes. You know, due to the fact that they probably don't care about our personal lives all that much anyways. <laughs> probably a little bit. I assume that I'm interesting enough for them to care. I make no such assumptions. I let them decide on their own. <laughs> hey, Tony. Holy shit, we have an actual Survivor Series match this year. Right? We were just talking about that. <laughs> Go ahead and hit the topics here while I fight with the studio to get everything set up that we need for a little bit later on in the show. Yeah, we had a um, we had a promo with Stephanie McMahon and John Cena that was a lot of nonsense that essentially was just there to announce that a Survivor Series traditional match was going to be coming up. Uh, I assume it's a five-on-five. We've got the authority on one side and John Cena and whoever he chooses to join his team on the other side. Um, the way they went about this was more of the same, and it was really tedious to watch and just kind of dumb. Um, but the fact that we got a Survivor Series match out of it was kind of happy. It made me happy, um, mainly because, you know, we haven't seen one of those in a long time. And um, even though Cena's the captain and you're going up against the authority, it's going to be interesting to see who's on his team, how it's built, where it goes. And the fact that it's just a five-on-five elimination match. Like, I've been wanting that for years now. Um if we could get one more, it'd be awesome. Did they, spe- <laughs> but, Did they specifically say 515? No, they didn't, but I'm assuming. Um, I'm guessing 4-on-4 four really, four is much more likely. Possibly, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they get something up to sleep. I'm hoping 4 or 5 on 5 Either way, we're getting a traditional Survivor Series match soon at Survivor Series, and um, it's it's pretty awesome. The, uh, the, there's a lot of things that you noticed during this promo that I want to talk about Um kind of at the end of our show. <clears throat> but also you noticed tonight that there is no um, title match at Survivor Series in case anybody was looking forward to Brock versus Cena. It's not going to be happening anytime soon. <clears throat> um, yeah, I know that... there was talk... Sorry here, Tony, but I know there was talk going around that they were going to uh, try to negotiate a couple extra dates with Lesnar in order to make sure they had him in the fold for to make sure they had him in the fold for Survivor Series and possibly even TLC, although I, I'd imagine Survivor Series would be the, mo- the more likely of the two since it's the long-standing tradition show. But, yeah, by the yeah. look of things now, with the fact that they're setting up authority versus Team Cena for Survivor Series, that's not going to be the case. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, we now have a uh, to-be-determined date for the championship match, which, um, I don't know. You know, I haven't really written about wrestling in a while, and but the topic is there, like whether it's important or not. And then you have Cena saying, you know, Brock, you're sitting at home. I'm the fighting champion every night. And I just, 
I don't know. That argument bothers me for some reason. Um, there's a lot of things that were said in this promo that didn't work for me. Half of it we'll get to at the end of the show when I ask you that question that I posed. The other half led to the main event, which was John Cena versus Seth Rollins. Um, and what I wanted to do was, we're you know, we're tying the beginning of the show to the end of the show, but it's going to work just by the way we're covering everything. So, I mean, before I get to the main event match itself, is there anything specific that you wanted to touch on in regards to the promo itself or the fact that we got ourselves a Survivor Series match? Well, given the fact that you talked about the, uh, the way that you have the format set up here for our discussion segment, because we used the third let's talk about Raw to have kind of a discussion as far as where the product is and where it seems to be going. So I'm going to kind of not touch on the whole will he, won't he turn heel thing until a little bit later on in the show. But one of the things mm. that I did want to touch on there is the fact that i got to give Rollins credit for actually selling some of the after-effects of his match at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, whereas we didn't see hardly anything from Cena in regards to any kind of visible signs from Cena or Orton, really. Yeah, um, I actually touched on that a bit in the Raw report. I felt that it was very interesting to see how um, Rollins was selling the shit out of his match the night before, and Cena was just John Cena. And of course, there's there's defenses to that. There's really the, the reality that you know Rollins and um, Ambrose had a a much more brutal match. There was much more animosity. Blah blah blah. But the reality of it is, it's a Hell in a Cell match. I mean, dude, look hurt, look injured. You know, even a little bit, even a slight, you know, something. But you, Cena looked like Cena always does every single time. And it's just it's a very minor thing, but it's just bothersome. And it's all, but on the other hand, it's really nice to see Seth Rollins doing what he's got to do to make sure that his product, him, the person uh, that he's trying to sell, is as legitimate as possible. Yeah, that was the only real thing that stood out to me about the promo there. The uh, other thing that I did want to touch on as far as Rollins and Cena goes is I really like how they streamlined going right from... Kane and Ziggler right into the Seth Rollins and John Cena main event there. Rather we agree with the fact that Ziggler was wasted with Kane tonight or not, and the fact that one of the things that we were complaining about is champions not looking strong, and they actually did give Dolph Ziggler a clean win on Raw tonight, which which I appreciated. But we'll get more into that match in quick hits. But I did also like the fact that they streamed right from the Kane and Ziggler match right into the York right into the excuse me, Rollins and Cena main event. Right. Yeah. Now, as far as the actual match um, itself, I don't know. You and I haven't spoken about it. We haven't talked about it. Um, I felt it was way too long. The last, if I were to divide that match into thirds, the third of the match was awesome. It was great. It was exciting. It was it was great. The first third and the second third, I could completely do without. Um, not only is it extremely repetitive. I mean, homeboy rolled out of the ring just to get back in about seven times. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this to be a pest. It was, it was send Cena out, send Cena back in, and then follow, and then do it again. And then they, they did that numerous times, over and over, and it was, it was extremely repetitive, and it really felt like they were just killing time. And when I feel like you're just killing time, you're, why am I even watching this? Why, why am I, why are, why are we here? You know? Um, that's how I felt about the match. The last third was great. It was awesome. It was everything that I expected it to be with Rollins. Cena, you know, pulled his weight. And if it was the, if I had the second third and the third third of that match, I would have been happy. 
But for whatever reason, that thing felt like it was stretching way too long for me. See, I'm not inclined to disagree with you because I actually thought that the match started to pick up in the second half of it, like after the first commercial break going into the, towards the second commercial break that they went to. Right. I agree with you about the actual beginning of the match with uh, with Rollins rolling out to the floor, excuse me, floor three or four different times. But at the same time, it kind of builds heat for the uh, live audience and they're wanting to see Rollins get his ass kicked that much more so I can kind of understand why they did it even if it comes across as kind of time-wasty to us at home. You'll notice, too, that the crowd was really into the match, and especially towards the tail end of it, the heat from the crowd and the live and the attendance there definitely picked up. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I mean... I, I have your I have your raw report in front of me, and actually the only thing I don't see a rating for is the main event. What did you end up giving that main event? I believe I gave it three stars. Um, I fixed it in the actual report, or at least uh, Jeremy was supposed to fix it afterwards. Like, the, the the issue that I had wasn't so much that Rollins does the chicken shit thing of rolling outside and, you know, taunting Cena. He tossed Cena out and then tossed him back in again. Like, it was just, and it was very noticeable to me because it happened numerous times. And, um, you know, I get the playing to the audience, even to us as, as a viewer. It, it even bothers us, like, like, a heel tactic is fuck you. I'm going to the outside, <laughs> you know, to take a breath, to catch myself some, you know, you know, some rest, whatever it may be. And they did it earlier in the show with another match. I forgot who, but it was just it was like like you said, it picked up in the second third. I I agree, which is why I felt if it was just the second third and the third third, the match would have been stellar. It would have been a great main event, but man, it was putting me to sleep till the end. See, I disagree. I I think for the first time, really, I, I I don't believe that they've ever had a singles match on Raw before. But for the first time encounter, I thought that they held their interest. I think they held interest without pulling out all the stops that they had. Should they have had this match, say, like they were originally going to at the Hell in a Cell pay per view, when the original, when one of the rumored original plans was to do Cena and Rollins at Hell in a Cell rather than doing Cena and, or rather than doing Ambrose and Rollins. I mean, obviously they realized yeah. that the fans would have been all over Cena Rollins there because Ambrose and Rollins was where the crowd he was for the Hell in a Cell match. But I still think that they had a good enough match. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I gave it three stars for a reason. Three stars isn't average to me. Average is like two, two and a half. But um, this main event led to a disqualification ending where Kane came in to break up a pin and essentially get the win for Cena. Um, Kane attacked with Rollins. Dolph came down to make a save. Dolph is now um, getting into the upper main event area. I only wish they mentioned the fact that there's a belt around his waist. Um, so now so now Cena is even killed. We got Kane and Rollins and then Cena and Dolph, which will probably be the main event next week. Um, and then out of nowhere, the entire roster comes down. The entire roster <laughs> You would think that this was the last Raw before the Royal Rumble. Everyone was in the ring fighting everyone, each other. They weren't even looking out for this person or that person. It was just a melee of randomness, okay? And then, of course, the authority comes out like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, what is going on? What are you guys doing out here? And I sent another walkout or some shit. Um, and then, just as the show is about to end, we've got the ring being cleared. 
John Cena's in the middle of the ring. Heath Slater walks up to him. Bam. AA. Bo Dallas walks up to him. Bam. Attitude adjustment. Um, why? I'm not saying that I like either one of them. You know I don't really like Heath Slater. He's grown as a wrestler and as a performer, but I, he's passable to me. I don't care. This isn't about burying talent. This isn't about, oh, my God, you've killed their momentum. Nothing. It was just, why? Like, what did it serve? What purpose did it serve? What if Heath wanted to be on Cena's team? You know? <laughs> Do you honestly think understand. Cena's going to pick Heath Slater for his team? Hey, you never know. Santino Morello was on a team at one point, too. And the crowd loved it. All right? So it was, it was like, I don't care about that. I just don't know why it happened. Because Cena needed to be shown as strong. Because you needed to think that he was untouchable. This is your face. This is a guy that is supposed to encourage and respect and love the business and blah, blah, blah. And then it is just, why? Like, like I said, this is minimal in terms of why it, whether it hurts my feelings or not. I could care less. It's just one of those questions that everyone gets bothered about. This is why we don't like Cena. This is why. Because there's no reason for certain things that he does, and it goes right in the face of what he preaches about. It did seem kind of a heel tactic to, uh, to FU, or attitude adjust, whatever you want to call it. I used to call it the FU. Uh, Slater and Bo Dallas, but at the same time, Slater and Dallas both did charge Cena as well. So, I mean, you can kind of make a self-defense argument there. (laughs) Bo Dallas might have been going in for a hug. He just wanted Cena to believe. I believe that's what it was. You believe or you believe that's what it was? I believe that's what it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. It doesn't hurt anyone. I really don't. I will not cry that he's got, you know, FU'd. I just, it was just questionable. And then, and so what do you make of the entire roster coming down? Because I have an idea. It's kind of cheesy that they're going to go this route. But what do you believe? Uh, honestly, I get the funny feeling that it's probably going to lead to the drawing of the line in the sand again, kind of like what we had before with Team Teddy Long and Team... Uh, John Laurinaitis. And if you're not on one team, then you're vicariously on the other, even if you're not regularly hanging out with the other people and stuff that are associated. It's going to be kind of a line in the sand locker room. When I saw Cena talking to Dolph, um, and then, you know, automatically it was like, okay, well, he's going to be part of the team. And I like the aspect of the next four weeks, Cena talking to someone and that person going through hell because – they're going against the authority. It gives them a semblance of importance. It puts them in the main event um, echelon of talent. It gives them a rub. It says that they're a big enough deal for the authority to want to beat their ass. Um, but the entire roster kind of bothers me. <laughs> um, you don't know what they went down there for. It, like, why? Were you there to protect the authority? Were you there to protect Cena? And that's what you say by the, the drawing of the line in the fan. And, and that's fine to a degree, but... Um, like, I would have liked if it was maintained within a smaller group of people rather than the entire roster because, and this is their fault, but because we don't really care about 80% of the guys that were in the ring.
No, and I'm I'm with you in that regard. I'm sorry about the delay there. I'm like I said, no, I'm fighting, okay. like I told you in a message, I'm fighting with my computer right now. But I'm with you there, and I think that had a lot to do with the fact that it seemed kind of forced by having everybody come out. Now, if you would have had a small group of people that we could have realistically seen as being members of either team going towards mm-hmm. Survivor Series, it would have made a lot more sense. Where we already knew. Like I read, I read a, uh, one of the comments was like, "Oh, it was so funny how Goldust and Stardust came out to a huge pop." only to attack Dolph Ziggler and get booed. <laughs> well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the fans really don't want to boo the Dust Brothers because they've been killing it over the last couple months. Right. You know what? I want to give some time. Maybe not tonight. But let's just point out the fact that Goldust is amazing. <laughs> like, since his return, he's been... Wow. Like, what a what a story, right? You know, like, the dude is good on him. Well, we're definitely going to be touching on the, uh, the match that they had tonight as well in regards to the tag title situation, because I know you've got a little bit to say about that coming up next on your first do. But, no, I agree with you. It's And it's a case of a lot of the guys, that if they'd have brought them down and bring them up towards that next step there, having Ziggler continuously involved in this storyline, especially going towards Survivor Series and letting him stand tall at Survivor Series, would be a very good way to punch Ziggler's full-time card into the main event part of the roster. And I think mm-hmm. with all this... Given all the injuries that they have right now, given everything that's gone down here, now is the time that they need to be creating new main eventers. And the guy like Ziggler is somebody that the crowd is already behind, so he has that fan base that you want from a main event star. And he's somebody that can give you fresh fresh matches with the main event roster. Because, I mean, we don't really get to see a whole lot of Ziggler versus like Wyatt. We don't get to see a whole lot of Ziggler versus Rollins. We've seen it a couple of times, but they've mostly been like, matches just to build Rollins up. Now, you put yeah. Ziggler on an even tour with him, you build him up to the point where he's at the same level in the card as Seth Rollins is right now, because Seth is lower main event, upper mid card right now. Right. You get, you get Ziggler to that level there, you're going to have that much more interest in the matches once they happen, as well as you're going to have that much more re- response from the crowd as well, because they'll have a vested interest in caring yeah. as to what happens to all these guys during their matches. And Ziggler's just fun to watch. So we're going to see what happens going forward from there. Um, We'll touch a little bit more on the situation with Rollins and the other member of the Authority, assuming he is still a member of the Authority, Hmm. a little bit later on in tonight's show. But, uh, Tony, I have to fix my computer up real quick, but you do look thirsty. So let's get this started here, and then I will be right back. All right. Hmm. Love that stuff. All right, so uh, tonight we had a return, and I've, you know, since I've done this show, I haven't spoken too much about him. I know he's been a, co- a topic of conversation uh, off and on, but um, I just wanted to take this time to talk a little bit about this specific person who returned, which is Ryback. He, um, Bo Dallas, op- had an open invitation to whoever wanted to have a match with him, and the answer was called, or the, you know, it was answered by Ryback. He came out to a pretty, pretty significant pop. He looked excited. He had the ch- the the crowd in the palm of his hands. They were chanting "Feed me more" like like crazy, um, and it was it was fun to see him back. It was fun to see the squash. It kind of sucked because it was Bo Dallas, you know. But um, it made me question where they're going with Ryback, what they're going to be doing with him, and if he is deserving of that. Um, which leads me to 
the answer, which I believe he is deserving of it. Um, anytime someone is built up to be kind of like a, a, the Ryback push or the Rusev push where they're winning matches on a weekly basis, Ryback specifically had jobbers like for weeks and he was squashing two, three at a time. And it just, for me personally, even Bray Wyatt had this push at the point where they're, they're just, they have a winning streak. And to me, it gets really, really tedious, and I lose interest in the person really fast. And Ryback had – he was sloppy. He wasn't all that great. He had a pretty bad attitude in terms of what I saw behind the scenes. Um, I know someone that knows him personally, and she swears by him, says he's the nicest guy ever, and this and that. But I just didn't see it. I didn't feel that way. I, I felt he was in over his head. Um, as far as the character goes, it got really stale really fast, and it bored me. And then every single time he was with Curtis Axel, I was not interested at all. But there were a few moments when he was by himself, when he was a single star, he'd come out and he'd do his thing. And he would play to the crowd in such a way that was, like, cool. And it made me really want to see more of him on his own, as his own person. And tonight when he came out, I got excited. Because to me, hopefully, this means that the, you know, the succubus of Curtis Axel's lack of charisma is not going to be around Ryback anymore. Um, I know that Curtis Axel is injured, so I don't know to the extent, but I'm hoping that this is the beginning of another Ryback push that gives him some semblance of credibility that is needed in order for us to believe that he is worthy of where he once was. I mean, the crowd loves his ass. Well, here's the thing for me as far as this whole situation goes. I made it back, by the way. I was just listening okay. to you. Um the thing for me is, is the fact is, let's face it, Ryback made Curtis Axel somewhat interesting. Somewhat. And in the process, Ryback was able to show off part of the personality that we didn't see before when he was in the process of his singles push. Even when it was as a heel, as a Heyman guy. Mm-hmm. So I think the time off has done favors for Ryback and giving him a chance to be fresh once again in people's minds. And in addition, the time that he had with Axel allowed him to show something of a personality that we hadn't really seen from him before. The, the whole commentary bits that he had were the, the dubbing of himself as the big guy and all of the mm. crazy wackiness that came out of his uh, Twitter page or out of his, off of his YouTube videos or whatever you want to call it there. So I think we're looking at maybe a newer and improved Ryback here and hopefully one that can maintain some of the... How do I put this here? Can get rid of some of the sloppiness that was in the ring but still maintain the edge that the character has. Because mm-hmm. it goes back to what we've said before, where, like, in the, in the street fight, chaos is sloppy, and Ryback wrestles a very chaotic style. But the thing is, is it has to be a good kind of sloppy and not a bad kind of sloppy, and too often times, Ryback slipped into the bad kind of sloppy in his previous incarnation. Yeah. So it's going to be a case of just, will Ryback be able to tread that line between actively portraying the character and keeping the intensity without actually getting to the point where, oh my God, it looks like he's going to fucking kill somebody like Alicia Fox tries to do on a regular basis. Jesus. <clears throat> yeah. Well, so basically, I mean, the, the it was good to see him back. It was good to see the crowd reaction. The crowd has been reacting to him for quite some time now, even before he was gone for a little bit. Um, I just, where's his place at? You know, where's he going to be? shoved into, or is he going to be shoved into anywhere? Uh, I kind of think that at this point he's still a mid-carder, but if the reactions to him stay the way that the one that he got tonight was, I think there's a chance to possibly bring him back up towards the t- higher end of the card as a uh, as a lower-level 
as a lower-level main event guy. And I mean, the talent is there. The fan following is there. As you were saying there, he was becoming somewhat of a smart fan darling towards the end of his run with Axel because I think everybody realized how badly Axel was anchoring him. I say this with all due respect to Curtis Axel because I actually enjoy Axel inside of the ring, but dude has, like, negative charisma. He is the... He's Lance Storm 2.0. A good hand to have around will be an excellent trainer someday. But no charisma whatsoever. Yeah. And in the process, I think that brings down anything and everything he's around. Mm-hmm. And it brought Ryback down to his level until Ryback starting to do the personality things, the quirks and stuff. They got him back over with the smart fans, with the IWC crowd that traditionally they don't necessarily cater to, but they seem to have been doing so with Ryback's character, especially with all the working of the fans with his Twitter and his YouTube stuff. Yeah. At least to me, anyways. No, I agree. <laughs> all right, you ready for some plugs and some quick hits, Tony? Yeah. Actually, one of these plugs is a little bit tuggier than usual for us, and I'll get to that in a you second do. because it does have a tie-in. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the reaction on Powerhouse Radio in association with ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Our fearless leader, Jay Aledo, allows us this opportunity to come at you guys every Monday night at 1130-760-888-5749. If you'd like to talk to either of us, by all means, feel free. We're here. Not like we have anything better to do on a Monday night. Although it is only like 9 o'clock over where you're at, so maybe you do have something better to do on a Monday night. Usually. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Harry Broadhurst. I am the play-by-play voice of Real Action Pro Wrestling, in addition to Jack of all trades down at Black Diamond Wrestling. Um, In addition, I run the Yes, Yes, Yes group on Facebook, which I have the link up, so if anybody from Yes is listening, I want to thank you guys for taking time to tune in. I actually had a chance to check the stats during this past week, and while we were one of the lower ends in the archived listens, we were the number one listen to live show in the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Network last week. What the hell? People listen to us? That still trips me out. I feel like I'm just talking to you. (laughs) Just two guys BSing about wrestling and everybody else is listening in. You freaking stalkers. (laughs) Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about your work at 401? In addition, go ahead and talk about your book stuff, too, because I know you had some big news that you broke last week here on The Reaction. Feel free to let everybody know how that's coming along as well. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm still at 411mania.com. I write the Raw Report. Um, I am for now. looking for a replacement. I'm just not looking hard, you know. Um, it's very hard to take away from that, mainly because I'm so good at it. But also because <clears throat> I want whoever's going to take over for me to just be able to bring something new to the table. I don't want someone exactly like me. I don't think anybody else wants someone exactly like me. Although it is very refreshing to see that the rare occasion where Larry takes over or Ryan Byers takes over, that the comments are mostly, where's Tony, what did you do with him, why are you here? You know, <laughs> like, it's refreshing. But there comes a time where it's got to, you know, I, I just, it's, it's a total of, what well, we're doing, what, six hours of wrestling, basically. we got a three-hour show, we've got some prep time for the radio show, and then we got the radio show itself. Not to mention you just saying you had a whole fucking weekend of wrestling. Like, I don't want to burn it out. 
Um, and I'm getting there, you know. But, yeah, I do the Raw Report. It's fun. I love it. Um, there is – I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but there is a link to a photo in the Raw Report that many fans of Melina might like, FYI. So um, <laughs> get it oh, before they find don't it. Tell me you're sharing it. that whole – Please don't tell me you're sharing that whole fappening deal. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so basically, the uh, plausible deniability. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know how HTML works. There's just this blue text in there that when you click, there's stuff. Um, but uh, anyways, there, yeah, I do the raw report on a weekly basis. I'm going to be doing it for as long as I need to. And um, if you guys are interested in trying it out, you know, send myself or Larry you know, uh, 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 either a mock copy or I don't want to say an application because it's really not that big of a deal. Just to, just say that you're interested and we'll be able to say whether we can do it or not. Um, as far as the book stuff goes, yeah, I'm I'm finishing up my third book, which should be released uh, next year. Tomorrow I'll be speaking at a college. Um, I'll be speaking at uh, Long Beach. And um, that's pretty interesting. I'm, I'm excited about that because yet again, as arrogant as I am, um, specific moments like this are kind of humbling. Like, I didn't know that people cared what I thought about writing, let alone wrestling. So it's nice to hear that we have an audience on this show. It's also nice to hear that I have an audience as far as the writing world. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I saw that, uh, I saw that, uh, that whole thing with your 411 Mania reporting and stuff, and I, I noticed that there were a couple of people who were asking about it as well. Yeah. about whether or not you were going to be, st how much longer you were going to be sticking around. So, I mean, it's nice to know that we do still have some listeners there. Um, <laughs> in addition here, one other quick plug to get in before we continue on with the show, and there's a very specific reason I do this plug. Uh, one of our friends over at Wrestling to the Max, uh, Sean Garmer, Paul Bryan Leeser, and Gary Jovan, I'm actually going to be sitting in with them tonight for their version of the Raw recap and as well as their version of Quick Hits as well. So make sure you guys give Jesus them a listen. If, you know, an hour and a half of me isn't enough for you in one night. So yeah, enough quick, for me. Cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it's not counting the half an hour prep time we have before this damn thing goes on the air. Right. right so anyway, let's continue with the reaction here and let's actually talk. Let's hit our Quick Hits, shall we? You're the boss. If we're actually going to do this, I should probably pull up the uh, little sound bite. Bang, 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 bang. Try and stop it. Bang, bang. Here I come. Bang. Bang. I know you know where that's from, so go ahead and say it. I am a Greg DeMarco guy. We miss you, Greg. You should join us one of these days. Here's the yeah, problem. Here, I don't know if I'd be able to get in a word with you two. Yeah, you would you wouldn't get in two words. <laughs> <laughs> I would be the Patrick O'Dowd to your guys' Greg DeMarco and Tony. It would be worse than when your tongue was lacerated. <laughs> oh, you were such a dick. Alright, so let's get to quick hits from tonight's Raw. Uh the very first one to touch on is actually Ms. Dow and the Usos. Um, create a finish. We haven't really seen it since the Bellas.
Tony. Yes. That yeah, was right with here. you. <laughs> what? What? You want me to talk about it? I don't care. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, we did see the Twin Magic, and um, um, I don't know. The Usos are starting to bore me. They're really exciting. They're good in the ring, but um, well, this was a. It was it was a tag match. It wasn't bad. It was just kind of there. Ow. You know, um, I'm sorry. I got distracted. I literally just stepped on a Lego right now. And I had to mute you because I said mother fuck really loud. Um, so yes, I'm, because I'm that, that stops you on on the live broadcast other times. Well, no. It was just, it was really loud. Like, it was, <laughs> it was. I didn't know what was going to come out. I just stepped on the Lego, and I had to mute myself because I didn't know what was going to be said. So not that I care too much. I I was going to yell, and yelling on a radio show probably isn't the best thing to do. No? Is it? Should I? I don't know. Harry, did we lose you? No, I was screening a call. Uh, speaking of which... Uh, let's go to the 540. You're live on the Raw Reactions. Hi, how are you doing? Pretty good. Greetings, how are you? Doing pretty good. So what can what we have tonight? What? Hello? What is up, sir? How are you doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Can you hear me? Alright. Yes, I can hear you. Yep. Yes, we can. So what brings Monday you to our I... neck of the... Raw was uh, Raw was pretty good tonight. I think, I think, I think uh, Randy Orton, Randy Orton's uh, promo was pretty damn good. With Rollins talking about how he's the face of the WWE and all that, and Orton comes out and bam, RKO out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I think yeah. that Orton is getting to the point where. He's going to be so uh, soaking in on on the 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 memes that's been going around, the gifts that have been going around, and this is probably the beginning of a face turn. If he keeps the intensity you like he did tonight, right. yeah. My my other excitement was to see Ryback come back as well. Me, me, more, me, me, more. I know I'm stealing his gimmick, but hey, hey, I like saying right. that. <laughs> You're perfectly okay. <clears throat> Bo Dallas believed he could beat anyone in that roster. Well, I believe he got the shell shock. And also I the bo- main event, the main event with Cena and Rollins with the whole interference. Oh, man. That brawl reminded me of the Alamo because we were in San Antonio live tonight. That brawl reminded me like the Alamo Dome. Uh, <laughs> did I? You know what? I didn't even get your name. John. 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 Hello, John. You're awesome. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, back to the point on Cena and Rollins. You know, Cena's team... Cena's first member is now Dolph Ziggler, and he's got to help to find a lot of partners. I mean, 
there's a lot of superstars waiting in the wings to become Cena's tag team partner. And there's a lot of heel guys, like, in the wings to become the authorities partners as well. We could see, like, Ryback and Roman Reigns on the team of John I'm, Cena. Well, I'm fully expecting Roman Reigns to be a part of John Cena's team, especially given the fact that they were teasing Reigns' return tonight as well. Yeah, they were. Roman Reigns was out for an indefinite five weeks, so... No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. It's been closer to about... It's been closer to about six, I believe, but... Yeah. And I think Roman Reigns could be a good asset to John Cena. There's still no word on... uh, if they're making it a 10-man tag team elimination match, because I like the 10-man tag team elimination match. I, I'm i not wrong. Don't get me wrong. I think the 8-man tag team elimination matches are okay, but I just like the 10-man tag team match better. Well, I, I understand where you're coming from that match from. And I understand where you're coming from, Max, and Tony and I touched on that a little bit earlier in the show with him saying that he was looking forward to the 10-man the ten man Survivor Series tag, but as I said there, usually when they've been doing the Survivor Series tag matches lately, they've been of the uh, the eight-man variety, so I don't know if we're necessarily going to get 10. I wouldn't be opposed to finding 10 here, but the question is, is who are you going to find to fill out both teams? I can think of enough people to be on Team Cena. I just I have a hard time finding credible fourth and fifth members for the authority, especially without Orton, because Orton would probably go over to Team Cena here again on his heat with Seth Rollins. It would be a chance to get his hands on Rollins. But do you fill up the authority's team with Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury? As much as I enjoy Jamie Noble and as much as I liked Joey Mercury over the years back to when he was Joey Matthews in ECW, I don't know that Joey, Mer- Joey Mercury or Jamie Noble are credible main event level guys for the authority in this kind of storyline. And you got to remember, guys, we have not seen Noble in a ring for five years ever since he was beaten up by Sheamus. And we also haven't seen Joey Mercury in four years ever since uh, he became a member of the Straight Edge Society and he became like a, a backstage agent of some sort. Well, Noble basically did the same thing that, that Matthews did. Noble became a backstage agent as well once his in-ring retirement. So he's been around the company, so I have no doubt that he knows the styles and the workings of the guys that he would likely be across. And no, no doubt about it. He's, he's a former cruiser. He was a former cruiserweight champion. That guy, Noble, had the talent. He had it. He had everything. And I would have believed years from now that he could have been like like a mid-card material guy, but... Instead, they just put him up as a jobber, and eventually his career ended by a powerbomb by Sheamus. Right. Part Joey of that Mer- has to do with the fact that Noble... Well, part and of now uh, Joey Mercury, Noble was that... Yeah. And now Joey Mercury... Part of the thing with Noble he, was... Sorry, sorry here, John. Part of the thing with Noble was is the fact that Noble was having some... I believe he was having some neck issues at the time, so that... That's what led to him stepping down as a full-time competitor. Yeah. And Joey Mercury, he was part of that M&M group in 2005. M&M, they had a lot of success as being the best tag team champions. And they always had Melina by by her hit their side. And when the M&M team split, 
they didn't have nowhere for Mercury to go. Because when he took that broken nose thing at Armageddon, when Jeff Hardy sandwiched that ladder in between his nose, I don't think they had nowhere to go, nowhere to go with Mercury at that point. But it would be awesome to see Noble and Mercury return to the ring for that one match. Because Noble and Mercury will start to remind me of somebody like Patterson and Briscoe from 1998. I want to thank you for calling in here, John. we got to get continuing with the show here. We appreciate you taking the all time right, to call guys. us. And thank you all very one much. Of the things, one of the things that I wanted to touch on real quick here is, like you mentioned there, is it does appear that Noble and Mercury are becoming the new Stooges, which... I kind of enjoy it. It gives Seth Rollins a couple extra people to play off of, at the very least, anyways, Tony. Yeah, totes. Totes my goats, man. Good old John. Lord. <laughs> that was for the totes my goats, not the John thing. So anyway, we want to thank John for calling in. It's been a couple of weeks since we've heard from him, actually. Um, <laughs> crap, my computer's giving me crap again, and I'm trying to get back over. Uh, let's continue quick hits with... Nikki Bella and Naomi. I'm worried that they're going to end up turning Brie heel in the eyes of the fans during the course of this indentured servitude, bitch, whatever you want to call it. She thinks she has gone all with Nikki for the next 30 days. Yeah, just the fact that it's going on for another 30 days is just, eh. Um, I'm not really interested. I will say this much, though. Nikki's turning into something of a competent worker. Yeah, the match actually wasn't that bad. I can't even say it was bad. It wasn't bad at all. It was average, but it just, it was, um, you know. Especially by Diva Division standards, anyways. Yeah. Uh, trying to think what else. Oh, the Hogan promo was another thing that I had listed in the quick hit section because I don't feel that he should spend more than a couple of moments talking about the fact that Hogan came out to shield for Susan G. Komen again. Hogan came out to show for Susan G. Coleman again. Okay, enough said. There you go. Um, the only other thing to touch on here was the Roman Reigns interview. I know we discussed it a little bit earlier with John there, and you talked. we talked about it a couple weeks ago when you mentioned has the Roman Reigns ship sailed. Uh, did tonight's right. interview do him any favors compared to the last one that he did? I thought he came off a lot more aggressive in this one, which is, I know, something that Vince McMahon was less than happy about the first sit-down interview that aired on Raw. Yeah, this one was much better. There was more intensity. Even the lighting was better. You saw his eyes more. Um, and I know that sounds a little bit more um, homophobic, but realistically, like, it's just, it's the reality of the situation. You saw more intensity. You saw, you believed it more. You saw him as a, a threat. He leaned in a little bit. Um, so it's, it's uh, it was good stuff. It was, it was really good. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the ship has not sailed. They don't believe it. They they put a video package beforehand. They gave him a nickname that I've never heard them say ever. <laughs> um, and yet, uh, apparently, we were supposed to uh, know him as that. I think Cole said the man you all know as the Juggernaut. Now I've never heard them call him that <laughs> ever. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, that's something that I questioned as well. Is cause like much like you, I've never heard the uh, the juggernaut nickname for him either. So that's just something that they kind of seem to throw in out of nowhere, anyways. Yeah, and I don't like when they do that stuff. 
so let's talk about Raw, shall we? Okay. Um, let's talk about... Yeah. Look, go ahead. Well, for those who didn't see Hell in a Cell, we're going to spoil it. Ambrose lost because Bray Wyatt showed up um, in spooky fashion. And that continued on tonight. Uh, Ambrose came out to say something. Hold on, before we continue... Uh, before we continue, yeah. you said spooky fashion. What did you think of the hologram into the attack by Wyatt? Um, yeah, it was it was nice of him to try something new. I mean, <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't bother me either way. I like that they tried. I like the creativity behind it, or at least the attempt of it. But yeah, it kind of seemed hokey. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people are upset at the fact that they did the. Uh, the run-in finish in Hell in a Cell on what was supposed to be the big blow-off match for Ambrose and Rollins. I, I, I think kind that's of, I'm kind what of on agitated that the, yeah, I think that's what agitated a lot of people about it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I was a little bothered by it, too. Like, they couldn't give... See, I think it's because this match held so much importance. Like, it held a lot of weight. Um, and there was something that needed to be if if Rollins won, people wouldn't have been happy, but at least it would have been definitive. Rollins won, but Bray Wyatt was the cause of it. So, logically speaking, Ambrose should still want to beat Rollins. But you and I both know what's going to happen. All of its focus will be to Bray Wyatt. WWE sucks at closing stories. They suck at it. John Cena all of a sudden wants to beat up Seth Rollins. <laughs> because he was, you know, he didn't get his match with Brock Lesnar, blah, blah, blah. He ends up losing his opportunity to fight Seth Rollins, to fight Randy Orton, to get the chance that he was mad at Seth Rollins for doing, for messing up. All that, the last month and a half, was basically pointless for John Cena, because he could have got it this way anyway. Um, And he also, he was supposed to be, I mean, in, in the level of hierarchy, he was supposed to be second or third due to the fact that he lost his opportunity to face Seth Rollins. And yet he's the one fighting for a world title match, not Ambrose. So all that was messy. Compare that to now, where you got Dean Ambrose, who should should not be okay with the way things ended. He's going to shift all his attention to Wyatt because that's how the WWE ends their stories. And and I think that's what bothers me the most about it is that there was no definitive ending, and it was mainly because they wanted to give a surprise. I, I don't know. They could have done it on Raw. They could have done the same thing tonight, um, but they didn't. <clears throat> Yeah, that was the thing for me is the fact that, realistically speaking, if you were going to do the situation with Wyatt and Ambrose, have Wyatt attack Ambrose after the match with Rollins. I mean, granted, Rollins doesn't get the bragging right to having the win in the main event of Hell in a Cell, but it should have been a blow-off for Ambrose and Rollins anyways because Rollins' next feud, as far as full-time goes, is either going to be Randy Orton or Roman Reigns, depending on how quickly they decide to go on with the full-on face turn for Orton. Yeah, and that's what bothers me the most is that there's no definitive ending, which means that Ambrose should still want another match with Rollins. But if there was a definitive ending, even if Rollins won, that's an ending. That's a closed book. Let's go to the next one. And um, we're not getting that, just like we didn't get it with Brock and Cena, just like we didn't get it many times before. It's a it's a bad booking crutch that they have. <clears throat> that's not how people work. I can hold grudges with many people. 
<laughs> the WWE seems to be like, okay, you can only dislike one person at a time. Exactly, and therein lies the biggest problem with the way that they're going forward with this year is that they're basically going to let, oh, you cost me a match with Seth Rollins, who was my blood enemy, that makes you my new blood enemy, become the new way to go for Dean Ambrose's character. And that's not something that fits in with the Ambrose character either. Ambrose strikes me as the kind of guy that holds a grudge until he finally gets what he wants with somebody, which is them lying battered, beaten, and bruised at his feet. Yeah. So... All right, carry on with the whole Wyatt Ambrose thing. Um, well, okay, so now that we got Wyatt and Ambrose, um, they're they're linking up now. This is the new feud that they're going to be going with. Um, well, I want to know how we feel about it. If we just if we get over the fact that you know Rollins and Ambrose is over for now, do we think that this is going to be one of those awesome promo against awesome promo? Is it going to be crazy versus crazy? Is it going to be too much crazy? Not enough crazy? Because they're different types. Wyatt is reserved, methodical, quiet. Ambrose is wild, chaotic, not quiet. So, <clears throat> you know. Yeah, for, for me, the telling story here is going to be is how do they define the two roles of the characters? And I don't mean that in a babyface heel sense because obviously that's already defined. But Wyatt basically made the comparison tonight that they are of kindred spirit. It's just that the way Ambrose goes about handling his business interferes with the kind of line of thinking that Bray Wyatt has with handling his. One of the things mm-hmm. that I fully expect to happen is the debut of the new Wyatt family in regard to Rick Victor and Connor O'Brien, the Ascension. And I think uh, that we're going to have that happen sometime relatively soon if we don't get Wyatt Ambrose at Survivor Series, if they're on the Authority and Team Cena, respectively, then going forward towards toward, uh, tables, ladders, and chairs, I could see that happening. Yeah. The big thing for me is it's going to depend on... Do you know who's going to be the key role in this feud to me, actually? Hmm. And this might surprise you, because it's going to come out of nowhere. And the key role to me in this feud is going to be Randy Orton, actually. And the reason I say that is because okay. you saw how un, you, you saw how unhinged Orton was at the start of Raw tonight. Right. That's basically the same thing that we've been getting from Ambrose over the course of the last couple of months. And I worry that that Orton is going to overshadow Ambrose. And in the process, mm. make the feud between Wyatt and Ambrose less meaningful. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, did it come off that way to you? I think that, I think that they're the, the, um, the psychotic Randy Orton is, is different enough from Ambrose. Or, or actually, I think Ambrose is different enough. <laughs> Um, to pull it off. And he's also smart. So I think that if he sees some sort of comparison, he's going to alter the way he is, even if it's just slightly, to make sure that Ambrose stays Ambrose and not a caricature of Orton or vice versa. All right, that's fair enough, I suppose. I just, that's the big thing for me, is it's going to become a case of whether or not they can keep everything kind of confined together without stepping on any toes as far as how Orton's character is going to go and how Ambrose's character is going to go forward after tonight. We'll talk more about the Randy Orton situation at the start of the show a little bit later on, actually. It's, it's one of your dues that you have set up here. I, I got my Correct. format to reload, finally. But that's not your second due. Right. It's time for, your, it's time for us to get to your second one, though, so let's go ahead and pop the top.
<clears throat> All right. So we've got the tag team champions, Goldust and Stardust, facing Big Show and Mark Henry in a tag team championship match. Um, first of all, why? Uh, what did Big Show and Mark Henry do to get this? Mark Henry has been um, on the losing side of Bo Dallas. Big Show has been on the losing side of Rusev. And they show no semblance of deserving the um, the match that they got. Of course, if you're smart, or if you're even just a wrestling fan, um, which don't always coincide, but if you are, then you know why. You know that they needed some sort of template or format to do this heel turn. Um, the sad thing is you basically made your tag team champion secondary to a heel turn that has happened at least 632 times probably with the same people involved. Um, it's also for a feud that I don't believe anyone is interested in seeing. Um, not to say that these two guys are not bad are good on their own, because they are. I think that they're both really serviceable and really awesome, particularly Mark Henry. But to see them go one-on-one against each other, eh, I don't think anyone cares to see it. I don't think anyone wants to. I don't think it's going to be awesome or anything like that. So it was kind of a waste of time. It's going to be a waste of time. It's a feud in which if Mark Henry doesn't turn, the big show is going to turn. And I think Mark Henry even jokingly alluded to that, basically saying that he did it to show before show could do it to him. Um, That was just a promo, but it was one of those things where it was kind of a shoot comment too. Um, And uh, it's just, I have no interest. And I I, I was just kind of bothered that Goldust and, and Cody were just kind of secondary to a heel turn that was, not shocking in the least. If you wanted to get the most out of this heel turn, you should have done it last night at Hell in a Cell. And I actually yes. predicted that it would happen at Hell in a Cell when we had our conversation. And, and I thought they were actually going that route, too, when they did the thing backstage where Henry started talking a Big Show, much like Big Show did to Henry before Henry singles matches the, the last pay-per-view that he had with Rusev. I believe it was at Night of Champions. Sounds right to me. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was a case of you had the uh, the symbolism there of Henry putting that extra weight on show's so- shoulders of him standing up not only for himself, not only for Henry, not only for the U.S. as a country, but also the U.S. military forces in honor of that soldier who got attacked on Monday Night Raw. Which right. reminds me, I did some research. I knew I recognized him. Jason Strife. I don't know if that name's going to be familiar to you, but Midwest wrestling fans will know the name Jason Strife. He was the guy who played the soldier on Raw last week. Hmm, good friend. But anyways, continuing on from where, where I was going with this here is there's some interest here. There's not a ton. Hopefully it's not going to be a super extended program or anything, but Using Big Show to get back to a heel Mark Henry, I, I think, would do well for Henry, especially considering that he's probably on the last legs of his character's run. And the I don't only, see uh, the reason to be wasting. I don't see the reason to be wasting him as a babyface with nothing better to do than pander to people when you can actually give him a decent run towards the end of his towards the end of his shelf life, and still have him be that monster heel that guys could go through. Guys like a Ziggler if Henry wanted to join up with the Authority, or guys like a Roman Reigns, if you wanted to reestablish Roman Reigns as dominant. Yeah, the only saving grace of this entire thing. 
is the fact that Mark Henry is heel again, and he is the funnest when he's heel. He is the most fun <clears throat> when he's a bad guy because everything that comes out of his mo- mouth is heelish gold. Unintentionally hilarious, I believe, would be the best way to phrase it. Mm-hmm. When I charge for air, you keep your bill paid. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just going to be a case with uh, going forward here. As long as they don't keep the focus on Henry and show his opponents for too long going forward, I'm okay with this because, as I said, it does give Henry one last time to shine before we presumably see Henry right off into the sunset for for good. In a salmon suit with tears in his eyes? Yes, before World's Strongest Slamming John Cena again. I don't care what you say, Tony. That was freaking phenomenal. That was amazing. It it was chill-worthy. I wish we had a show then just so that I can talk about how awesome it was at that moment. No one saw it coming. That that entire show would have been dedicated to the awesomeness that was Mark Henry's heel turn. Yes. And you know why it would have been dedicated to the awesomeness that was Mark Henry's heel turn? Because that's just what he do. You beat me to the, the line before I could find it. <laughs> sound bite. You suck. <laughs> I was trying to find the sound bite and you beat me to the line. Really? We don't have a better organization than this? What the hell? Yeah, I don't... Blame Greg. Have you ever tried to run the soundboard on this thing? Yeah, every now and then. I usually search for something it's a... um, and then use it when it when it applies. So like if you were to say something it stupid, is... I'd say, You have a vagina! my favorite. <laughs> the reason that they need to give Henry another run on top? That's what I do! Mm-hmm. Not relevant anymore, but oh well, I freaking found it, so I don't care. We are running a little bit behind here due to the phone call and due to the extra time here, so uh, you want to go ahead and skip that commercial break we had planned here? Sure, let's go. All right, let's go ahead and go on into Harry's hit, shall we? Still my favorite theme that gets played on this show. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Harry's hit. figured I'd play your theme song since I hadn't played it yet. Yeah, why not? All right. Um, I'm going to steal a page from your book here. I'm going to talk about the Divas. Okay. You'll notice that I skipped one of the two women's matches when we were doing quick hits. Oh, I noticed. <laughs> I'm, of course, referring to the match of your beloved. AJ and Alicia yet again going at it on Raw here. And... I made the comment on, yes, in the Raw thread, that apparently uh, Paige's gimmick is that she's bipolar. 
And somebody else, I believe it was Ron, stated back, no, he's by something, all right. And that's kind of what I wanted to touch on here. Is, is anybody else noticing the strong lesbian undertones of Paige's character? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I honestly don't call? know what to make of this. I don't... She called Elisa Fox a screamer or something like that? She said, I love the way she screams. <laughs> I've said that before. And the only thought that went through my mind when she said that was, I bet you do. <laughs> that is what she said. <laughs> do you watch Total Divas? Uh, I haven't watched like any it. of the second season. They're in season three. Oh, shit. I haven't watched any of the second season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Ryan Byers did the recap for one of the earlier shows, and it had Rosa hitting on Natalia, and I remember touching on that on the reaction with you. Mm-hmm. And I proceeded to make the comment that apparently Rosa was barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> Do you think... I'm going to go ahead and ask this because it, it's something that it's out of curiosity for me here. Do you think a lesbian storyline would work in current day WWE? No, not at all. Not in the least. Um, wrestling fans are by and large perverted, immature, and unable to handle such a, a theme. I feel that it would not work not only in a PG environment, but also in an environment that especially recently is now trying their best to accept this as not a gimmick, but something real. Um, Meaning, you know, it's not, you know, this isn't Billy and Chuck time. And especially, it's more offensive if it's females. That would be a a shitstorm of press that they would not want. Undertones is about the best that they can do. I remember your beloved having that conversation as well about having to toe that line when they were there was talk of them do, trying to do some sexual tension undertones towards the best friend thing that, that she had going on with Paige. And it appears that Paige's character is keeping those in, but keeping them mm-hmm. subtle enough that she can make these kind of comments at commentary and give us, as fanboys, that kind of thought process without actually outright going out and saying it. Right. And the only other thing is is that they, they, to, they tow that line a little bit further on Total Divas with Rosa because Rosa commented on Paige's boobs she stared at Paige's ass. She stared at another one of the Divas' asses, too. And then kissed Natalia towards the end of an episode that freaked Natalia out. But as oh, you shit. said, in this day of... <laughs> yeah, find that episode. <laughs> Anyways. In this day and age of the awareness of homosexuality as far as the, the GLBT community, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and everything... You're getting the positive interaction from Pat Patterson officially being revealed, even though that's not exactly been a secret in professional wrestling. You had the positive press from Darren Young's coming out here. And as you said, this is not Billy and Chuck. It, we're not in a Billy and Chuck frame of mind anymore where they can afford to have these kind of blunders in a, in a PG product and risk alienating their sponsors. If they were to try to run this storyline where it was a complete and total farce, where it was a complete and total... Let's see what we can do in order to rile our fan base up rather than these are actual people with actual feelings that rather majority of society agrees with or not is something that we want to touch on. I don't know if they can tread that line that line finely enough to actually be able to pull it off in a PG environment. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think they're that good. 
It just it concerns me going forward, especially given the fact of the the way that Elite, that Page said it there, and then the uh, the attack that Elite, uh, Page had on Alicia after the match as well. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I asked here, and I'm going to go ahead and bring this to you. So, does this mean you like have to be crazy to be involved in the Divas title picture? You have to be crazy to be interesting, is what they're saying, um, because apparently that's the only thing that a sick, psychopathic wrestling fans enjoy. Um, <clears throat> there's, there's, there's the diva storyline that hits the, the soap opera, you know, type of fans. And then there's the either lesbianic or crazy storyline, which is supposed to hit the fans that are online. At least that's the way that I look at it. I'm not really enjoying, I mean, it's getting, it's getting a little bit long now. Um, and I think that when I said a few weeks ago, they need a new fold, they need to add something new. I didn't mean Alicia Fox. So... <laughs> And there are better options out there. Emma, as we said, we touched on there. There's potential there with Emma still being pissed off about the fact that AJ left her high and dry during that tag match. But it hasn't been followed up on at all, and that's something that they really should consider doing. Yeah. Because not only that, Emma can go. Even Layla tried to get her revenge, and that didn't work out too well. (laughs) You know, at least Layla's new ring gear is nice. Yeah. Layla. Okay, moving on. So, uh, our homeboy John mentioned it a little bit. Um, Randy's RKO out of nowhere was seemingly um, um, pretty badass. And it was. It was pretty cool. Um, I think the implications are that, like I said, he's going to turn face eventually. I don't know if they'll do a slow burn or tonight was just, it is what it is, you know, but they're doing the right thing, at least in what I saw tonight in that they're not altering his persona. They added, they turned it up just a notch because he's pissed off because he's not feeling too well um, about his loss. And um, he just kind of went nuts with it. It doesn't mean he's going to be teaming with John Cena. At least I hope it doesn't mean that. Um, But it does mean that he's going to be, I'm hoping they give him a little bit of a Stone Cold-like persona where he's just going to RKO everybody. You remember that? What I don't know what year it was. You'll probably remember way better than I will. When uh, Triple H told Shawn Michaels something, and then Shawn Michaels just super kicked like three people down the hallway, like out of nowhere for no reason. <laughs> what he called him? 2005. Not Eric Bischoff doesn't yeah. think you're controversial. Controversial. There you go. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, he doesn't yeah. think we're controversial. We invented the book on controversial. Goes up to the first guy. What's your name? My name's Stan. Stan. Wham! I just super kicked Stan. <laughs> oh, HBK, I miss you. Um, yeah, I see Orton, hopefully, hopefully, if they do it right, pulling that out. Like, just being this nutcase. I, okay, the thing is, he wants Rollins, right? He wants him. Um, he's tired of the whole... Tired of you saying, and it's been built up really well. I mean, they have, he, they've been at it for a long time, and he's finally tired of it. So seeing him walking around RKOing a few people, um, not wrestlers, okay, because that would not only would it contradict what I said about Cena at the end of this Tonight Show, but just because there's no reason for it. But other people are, or wrestlers that aren't a big deal, you know, like you know someone, he's Slater or whatever. That works for Orton's character because he's a heel or he's heelish, it makes sense. doesn't make sense for Cena, but it makes sense for Orton. And to see him do that, 
it coincides with the, the the reason why he's such a big deal right now, or one of the reasons, is because of the the whole thing online where there's a bunch of people falling into RKO's. Um, it's blowing up, <clears throat> and surprisingly, the WWE caught onto it before you know before five years passed because that's usually their time lapse. Um, so I think that they could do something with it. I also think that it, right now is a good time for him to turn face because we need someone not. I can't say fresh because he's not fresh, but all you got to do is give him something new. And it goes back to what I said earlier in the show as well and the fact that I worry about the fact that this kind of Orton might kind of counterbalance Ambrose's current character. But at the same time, if you can turn, and I've said this on previous episodes of The Reaction, that if you can turn Orton babyface and have him keep the same edge that he has as a heel, he's a much more interesting character than he would be going through the motions. Yeah. Like, you can clearly tell he enjoys being a heel more, but it's to the point now where they don't have enough main event level baby faces to sustain keeping him as a heel. One of the things that and I saw this, I believe it was on 411, it's one of the things that I saw was the fact that they, the reason they want to turn Orton babyface is because Orton's the top draw of the other half of the tour because Cena leads one tour for the house shows and Orton leads the other half. And the Orton house shows with Orton's the top draw as a heel are not drawing the way that the Cena ones are. Wow. And I think there's a market for Babyface Orton to increase the ticket sales at these shows, to increase the amount of people that want to go to these shows and see Orton take on a guy like a Seth Rollins or see Orton take on a guy like a Bray Wyatt or see Orton take on a guy like a Kane going forward and getting back with him away from the authority but still maintaining some sense of an edge to himself. Mm hmm. So we'll just have to, uh, we'll have to see what, the, what they have there. Um,. Have you seen the newest one that got posted on yesterday? What's that? The newest RKO by Jeremy RKO? Uh No, I don't think so. Uh, it's a sight to see. <laughs> I'll just say that it involves a football player, a Gatorade table, and an unfortunate landing. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. And I'll leave everybody else to go to the Yes page and check it out for themselves or twitter.com backslash RKO Vines. You're welcome. You'll thank me later. Um, you touched on this previously or here in the show. This, you wanted to use your last talk, our last, uh, let's talk about Raw here for discussion. And we kind of teased this discussion a little bit earlier in the show. So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what you, you were talking about with you sent me in the format. Here, let me go ahead and pull the format back up here now that I've finally got everything working again. Uh, Cena is a heel. Do we care? Do we not? Breaking yeah. off from um, the whole segment that he had with Stephanie. Yeah, the, the promo with Steph really bothered me for many reasons. There was a lot of illogical uh, moments here. Um, Steph's talking to Cena about beating Brock and how she could be the insurance policy when I believe it was Steph and Triple H who put Brock onto Cena. So that really bothered me. That didn't make any sense. Um, they, they've they tried to get Cena to join the authority before, and they acted like this was a brand new idea, and it was the first time they ever approached him with it, and he should do it for the sake of his own you know, title win and whatnot. And that came off as illogical because we've seen it before. Everything that she said and that he said, it's like how many times are we going to drill into the audience that Cena is not going to turn heel? Every single feud that he's had for, like, seemingly ever now is him trying to fight the darkness so that it doesn't take over. It's a good 
theme when you have a good character. Cena's not a good character. <laughs> he's bland, he's boring, he's one note. So it just comes off as somebody trying to say the same shit. It's like this promo we've seen one too many times before. Um, Heyman, Triple H, you know, even Brock, Steph, they've all tried to make him uh, embrace the hate, be the be the bad guy, you know, and it's just, it comes off as really hokey. Um, that bugs me, okay? And then um, we get the fact that Cena will do what he always does and become bigger and better and say he's going to handle the authority and he's going to be the big guy and everything like that. And what does he say? Like, you, I'm the guy that you need to beat. And he talked about going through the future and everything. Um, it just, that whole segment came off as like, we've seen this, we've seen this before. And it just like, it didn't make any sense for, for them to want to back him up against Lesnar when they're the ones that put Lesnar on his case, on his, they gave him the shot, basically. So what it what all led me to believe is we get that Cena isn't going to turn heel. He has said it himself in many interviews. And I don't, honestly, I don't think that he'd be all that interesting as a heel. So do we care? I don't. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm inclined we, to disagree with you. I'm inclined to disagree with you on the fact that I think he would be interesting as a heel. And the reason I say that is just because it would be something so much different than what we've been seeing over the course of the last seven years, give or take. Probably even, no, even more than that. He turned face, what, till end of 2003, I think it was. So for the better mm-hmm. part of the last decade, really. I think it would be interesting to see if he would be able to give kind of an edge to him. Do I think it's ever going to happen? No, I do not. Do I think that they need to keep trying to tease us with it? No, I do not, because it's a gigantic waste of time. Yeah, I think the issue is they... Cena, heel or face, is going to be the top guy. Cena, heel or face, is going to be written by the same people. I don't think that anything would change. It would be interesting to a degree, but it it would... I don't see it... I, I just don't see it being... Along, I mean, well, but what are we? We're talking about something that's never going to happen anyway. So, <laughs> I think it would be interesting to see the execution thereof. I think the actual follow through wouldn't be as interesting as seeing the execution. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I definitely agree because I would want to see it. I would want to see how they do it, how they present it, how they would be able to pull it off. When you consider that most of his audience are the little kids, and I sincerely doubt that they're going to actually have him turn outright on the little kids. The only people that he would really right. probably turn, that I could see him having any kind of a grudge towards, are the Internet crowd, the IWC crowd, the adults in the crowd that are standing there chanting Cena sus when you hear the ladies and the little kids' voices going, let's go Cena. And we kind of see him play off of that to an extent, but we're never going to see him go full-blown heel on everybody with that. Right. And it just it seems like a it seems like a booking plot mechanism for them to constantly go back to that. Do you think this has anything to do with the fact that that Vince himself has said that he wants Cena to be constantly made to look strong? I think it is. I I, was, I know that he you know maybe he doesn't make as any decisions, but he's still the head honcho. He still says this is what I want to happen. I mean, the end of the show was just unnecessary. Cena is strong. Cena won a Hell in a Cell match and didn't even act like he was in one. What what more strength do you need? What more conditioning of your fans do you need to accept that John Cena is the big guy? 
He's the one that runs all this stuff. So, like, what what are you what are you asking of us? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It's going to become to the point, of, and that's the reason that so many of us, us smarter fans, us us internet fans, the IWC, the internet wrestling community, that we get so sick and tired of seeing seeing a book the way that he's booked there, is because a lot of the times, as you said earlier in the show, it comes off unnecessary, and. In order for, in, you said yourself that Cena's not a good character, and I agree with you, and I'll say it this way. Because in order for somebody to have to be a good character, they have to have believability that they're actually ever in trouble. And you never get that sense of, oh my god, he's actually in trouble with Cena anymore. Mm-hmm. There's always that, oh, he's going to overcome. He, there's always that sense of, oh, he's going to overcome this, because he overcomes everything that gets thrown at him. They had a chance to do that a little bit with his character coming off of the SummerSlam match with Brock Lesnar, and then that's when Vince himself stepped in again. Yeah, reneged it completely. So it's it's just going to be a case of with Tina, you kind of get what you get, and then you got to kind of hope that it doesn't, in the process, steamroll everything around him. Because we're never yeah. going to see that Cena heel turn that people are crying out for. We're never going to see even a partial turn from Cena down to a tweener because it's just it's not going to happen. Cena is who Cena is, and that's not going to change. You know I don't like doing this so, next part. Right? <laughs> Shut up. You, you know what I'm about to do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, technically speaking, it's even more wrong now that we're not the raw reaction anymore. Yeah. It's the final take. Oh, yeah. One of these times we actually have to get to the actual... That does it. I am downloading Europe's The Final Countdown to play as our commercial break song one of these weeks. <laughs> it will be in here for next Monday's episode of The Reaction. You have my word, Tony. All right. All right. Well, what was your favorite part of tonight's show? <clears throat> AJ, sweet DDT. No, um... <laughs> uh... <laughs> tough you know the whole show was kind of average if i had to pick what i thought was good um hmm, i should really think about this stuff before let me just give it to ryback ryback's return that was fun that was my favorite part your least favorite part of tonight's show um the john cena death promo or anything to do with the bellas either one of those are really kind of work for me as far as what was worse. I was actually okay with how the Bellas were used tonight. My favorite part of tonight's show, well, given who they're dating, that's not going to happen, so just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Oh, never mind. Oh, by the way, I don't know what that was. I saw this, and I know you're you're a drinker, so this would apply to you. Uh, Halloween drinking game? Take a shot for every time Princess Elsa shows up at your door trick-or-treating. 
you will be hammered in I, no time. I would be. <laughs> I would be singing Let It Go to everyone outside. <laughs> Drunken Tony karaoke sounds like something that we would play here on the reaction. <laughs> Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part of my favorite part of tonight's show was I gotta say unhinged Orton. Okay. Just, there was a there was an energy, there was a fire, there was a actual hey, I'm actually enjoying doing this again since the Orton that we haven't really seen a whole lot recently. Right. Because as I said, Orton had been kind of going through the motions lately, and to see him tonight, the way that he was, the way that he came off during the course of his interview, it was a nice refreshing change of pace given to the uh, down in the dumps, down in the doldrums, eh, let's just get this shit over with Orton that we've seen over the course of the last couple of months or so. I think turning him face here but keeping him edge here would definitely bring back a lot of the desire for Orton to want to be at the top of the card and want to put on good matches because, as we've said before, Orton at 70% is better than Orton at, than most people at 100%. Imagine if Orton actually cares and starts giving 100% in these matches how good they could be. I take you back to the match with mm-hmm. me at Hell in a Cell, which was a lot better than anybody probably thought it was going to be. Yeah, way better than I thought it was going to be. I would go as far to say as it was probably the best ever singles one-on-one match that they've had. Yeah. So, we have that situation with Horton. All right. The other thing that, uh, my least favorite part of tonight's show. I, I honestly have to think about this because I, I, I enjoyed most of the show. The amount of Hell in the Cell recaps kind of agitated me, though. Like, the amount of times mm-hmm. they threw back to what happened last night. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to spend all this time promoting your network and stuff on your show, don't show everybody what they would have had to have watched the shows that are exclusively to your shows to let them know what happened. Make them watch <laughs> the shows on the network. You can be like, oh, yeah, Rollins won, but he got some help from an unlikely source. You want to see how it went down? Make sure you watch the replay of Hell in a Cell on the WWE Network. Hey, John, you know how much that costs? Go f*** yourself, Cole. Anyways. Uh, what was your letter grade for tonight's episode of Raw, and why are you giving it the letter grade that you are? Um, I'm gonna go with a B minus again, simply because everything was like it was it was hard enough to find something wrong with the show, you know, and that's that's always a good sign um, that we actually had to actively search for it, um, and it was good enough to continue. I really the things that I didn't like were kind of glaring, uh, which is why it's definitely not getting a B or an A. But um, if I if I remove myself from the Cena hatred, then it it was a pretty average show. I'm going to give the show a B plus, and the reason I'm going to give the show a B plus is because, unlike you, I actually really enjoyed the Cena Rollins match. I mean, yeah, it could have done with a little bit of time shaved off of it in order to get rid of some of the superfluous stuff that happened at ringside. That's one of them dare educated words, Tony. Yeah, I use it numerous times. <laughs> but anyways, to get rid of all of the unfair uh, things that happened at ringside in regards to that match with them constantly having Rollins roll out to the floor, them going out and then coming right back in, as you pointed out before. But I actually really enjoyed the match from the, from the, after the first commercial break on. I thought that they had a really good match, and I thought that, realistically speaking, if they can condense that match into a little bit shorter of a time period, we may have been looking at a candidate for free TV match of the year. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to possibly seeing those two get some time to work each other in a full-length singles pay-per-view match now. Because if tonight was any indication of how they went towards the end of that match, it could be really good and could make Seth Rollins as a main event player. Yeah. There was very little that stood out to me as being suspect. And then when you add in the extra things of Henry's heel turn, because we've seen what Henry can do as a heel before with the Hall of Pain, I look forward to the doors of that reopening. Um, Orton's possible babyface turn, we don't know for sure if it was a full babyface turn or not. We'll have to find in, tune in next week to find out, and that's another thing. They've definitely set up next week's episode really well as well as the return of Ryback is going to have people talking as well. So they managed to put a whole lot of stuff that people will talk Um, that's, that's going to do it for me. You got anything else to add here, Tony? Um, everybody have a happy and safe Halloween. Don't die. And if you do die, don't fucking haunt me because I'm busy. Again, from Tony and myself, happy Halloween, everybody. You listen to the reaction here on Powerhouse Radio. I want to thank you for listening. And again, if you haven't had enough of my candy ass for tonight, make sure you check out Wrestling to the Max a little bit later. The links will be posted soon. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next Monday for the first reaction of November 2014. Good night, everyone. Deuces, bitches. <laughs>